When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories. Wait, 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 wait. You know I'm not Ms. Rachel Ann, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the very best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and bring you back safely. Once, I think it was last week or the week before, I was walking with Mo, my beautiful black dog, in the forest near our house. It's not a large forest, but all sorts of spirits and creatures live there. We like to walk there. Deep in the woods, I heard a rustling, and at first I thought it was Mo. She runs and explores and has tea with the squirrels and chipmunks and fairies. But instead, a small boy came from between the leaves. It seemed that I startled him, so I crouched down to his level and asked if he was lost, or where his parents were, or or how he felt, if, if he was okay, if he was safe. The boy wore what looked like a black fur coat, which must have been hot on this sunny, summery day. He looked behind him and then down at his shoes. That's when I heard Mo rushing towards us. I knew it was Mo because of a collar and tag rattling together. She's fast and friendly and likes to lick. She's a good girl, but I didn't want the boy to be frightened. The first of today's stories for this episode is about two of my favourite characters, Wolf and Rabbit. Rabbit likes veggies, like me, I'm a vegetarian, and fruits, and so does Wolf. Or so he thought. Of course, they make a deal, which does not work out so well, as you will hear. The first teller telling this tale is Lynn Ford, an amazing storyteller and human being. Lynn hails from Ohio and is a nationally recognised Afrolation storyteller. She has many CDs out, award winners of course, but less of this, and more of Lynn telling the story of John the Rabbit, Wolf's Garden. Oh, John the Rabbit He had a mighty bad habit a getting in my yard, a tearing up my garden, my sweet potatoes, my fresh tomatoes. And if I live to see the fall, I ain't gonna have a garden at all. Oh, John the Rabbit. 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 Now they say 
in the once upon a times about time and a half ago, that wolves were vegetarians. You know, they didn't eat any meat. Now there was a flood. The river water was rising higher and higher up over its banks, the water getting higher and higher, and all the little critters scrambling for high ground. But Wolf was tall enough that he could stand knee-deep in that river water and look around, and that's what he did. You see, he was contemplating making himself a garden, because he knew when that river went back down into its bed that the land on both sides of the river would be dark and rich and ready for planting. And sure enough, the river went back down into its banks, the critters went back down to their homes and their fields, and Wolf claimed one side of that river. He put up a fence from the forest all the way down the river bank to the bridge that crossed that water. And Wolf decided on what he was going to plant, and he started planting his favorite things, mustard greens, collard greens, turnip greens, carrots and peas, and rhubarb for rhubarb pie. And while he was doing all that work, he noticed one critter still sitting on the high ground, that rabbit. And Wolf said to the rabbit, Rabbit, why don't you come down here and help me with this work? Rabbit said, hm, I don't think so, because I know how you are, Brother Wolf. If I do all the work, all you going to give me for it is one little sweet pea, and that is not going to work for me. Wolf said, well, you're sitting up there watching what I'm doing. You could at least come down and help with the work. Rabbit said, well, you know what, brother? I'll help you all right. You do all that planting, and I'll help you eat it all. <laughs> well, Wolf didn't like that idea, and he thought about that rabbit. He tore down that fence, and he put up a stone wall thick and strong and deep in the ground, rising high in the sky, but he had to have an opening to get through himself, and when he'd finished building the wall, Rabbit was sitting right there looking, said, good job, brother. Keep that opening there. I'll be down there to help you eat up stuff after a while. Well, Wolf decided he better make himself a special gate. Back in those days, they'd call them magical gates. Nowadays, we sometimes call them sound-activated gates, only open for one sound. And Wolf figured if he could make such a gate, the only one that could get in and out of there would be him, because he'd be the only one that would know the special words. So Wolf thought hard, and he worked hard, and he built that gate. And when he'd finished, it only opened up for certain words. And it had no lock, no key, no doorknob, no handle. And when all that work was done, Wolf was tired enough that he went on home. Things were already growing up in his garden, and he was speculating on what he might pick the next day. And he went to sleep that night, and he slept good. <coughs> Not knowing that that rabbit was sitting down there underneath his bedroom window. And as soon as rabbit heard, <coughs> he tiptoed down toward that gate. Walked right up to that gate. He stood in front of that gate, and he tried to get the gate open, but see, there was no lock, no key, no doorknob, no handle. Oh, said Rabbit, magical gate. Well, I know how that works. All I got to do is find out what the special words are, and I'll be able to get in and out of there just like Wolf. Now, the next morning, Rabbit was sitting under the berry bush nearby, waiting for Wolf to come down there to do some work in his garden. And sure enough, as the sun rose, Wolf walked on down to that garden gate. He looked around, and he didn't see anybody, but he could <laughs> smell rabbit. 
and he didn't want Rabbit to know how to get in and out of his garden gate. Wolf said to himself, I better say some other sounds so Rabbit won't know which ones open up this gate. And Wolf thought for just a minute. And then Wolf said, Noki for lucky rulers. Uh, bump me yang. A bump me yang. A bump me yang. A bump, 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 bump me yang. And uh, the gate opened up. Wolf walked on in his garden. He said, Noki for lucky rulers. Uh, crimp up the gate. And bam, the gate closed tight. And a rabbit was sitting under that berry bush, and he could hear Wolf working in that garden. Rabbit said to himself, What in the world did that wolf say? But that's all right. I'll think on it till evening time comes, and I bet you I'll get in that garden. Now that night, Wolf went to sleep, and he was sleeping good. <laughs> not knowing that Rabbit was sitting right under his bedroom window, and when Rabbit heard, he tiptoed down toward that gate, walked right up to that gate. He stood in front of that gate, and he tried to say what he had heard Brother Wolf say. Uh, no phony, fiffy, fiffy, I don't know what that first part was, but... I know the second part started with a B, a B, a B, a B, a boom shackalacka, boom shackalacka, boom. Now the gate rattled and shook, but it wouldn't open up. And Rabbit knew he didn't have the words right. Next morning, when the sun was rising, Wolf walked down to that garden gate. He looked around and he didn't see anybody, but he could smell Rabbit. And so Wolf said, Nookie for lucky rulers, uh, bump me yang, a bump me yang, a bump me yang, a bump, 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 bump me yang. And uh, that gate opened up. Wolf walked in there. He said, Nookie for lucky rulers, uh, crimp up the gate. And bam, that gate closed again. Rabbit still couldn't figure out what that wolf had said, but he thought to himself, I'll speculate on it the rest of the day. I'll get in that garden tonight. And you know what was happening next. Wolf went to sleep that night. Rabbit was sitting right under that bedroom window when he heard. He tiptoed down to that gate, walked right up to that gate. He stood in front of that gate and he tried to say those words again. Uh, no, uh, fee, five, four, fum. Oh, fat, that ain't right. But I know that second part started with a B, bub. Big boogie woogie, big boogie woogie, big, you know that gate didn't open up, it rattled and it shook, but it didn't open, and Rabbit knew he didn't have the words right. Then he remembered something the big folks in his family had tried to teach the little folks. If you're having trouble remembering things, might be a good idea to write them down. Just go over them again and again and again till you remember them. Well... Rabbit went home, got himself a little tablet of paper, a little pencil. The next morning as the sun rose and Wolf walked down to his garden gate, Rabbit was sitting under that berry bush, ready and waiting. And Wolf looked around and he didn't see anybody, but he <laughs> smelled. Oh, you know who he smelled. So he said, Nookie for lucky rulers. Uh, bump me yang. A bump me yang. A bump me yang, a bump, 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 bump me yang. And that gate opened up, and when he got in there, he said, Nookie for lucky rulers, crimp up the gate.
Bam, that gate closed, and Rabbit was under that berry bush writing as quickly as he could. No, no, key, no, key, no 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 key, Bump me ang, bump b u m p me m e ang a n g. I got that part right, and I know I can't spell that first part, that no nini nani nuni stuff, but I can spell the other part that closes the gate. Crimp up the gate. C r i m p u p t h e g a t e. Period. Ha! I got that part right. Now that night there was a full moon. And Wolf was sleeping good, and Rabbit walked from underneath his bedroom window, tiptoed down toward the gate, walked right up to the gate, stood in front of the gate, and in the light of that full moon, Rabbit whipped out that tablet of paper and tried reading those words: a near no a k k a a new. Um, uh, 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 ah, bump me ang said rabbit, and er uh, the gate opened cause bump me ang was the special word, and in the light of the full moon, rabbit could see what he wanted in that garden. There were mustard greens, collard greens, turnip greens, carrots and peas, and rhubarb. Oh, rabbit loved rhubarb. He went on in that garden. He started nibbling and chomping and chewing and gnawing and burping. Burp, excuse me. Now every other night, when rabbit was making all that noise at the gate, Wolf had slept through it. But that night in his sleep, he heard. Burp, excuse me. Woke right up. <laughs> said somebody's in my garden, and he got out of that bed and went on out that door and down that path to his garden gate. And the gate was open. In the light of the full moon, he could see Rabbit's ears in the rhubarb. Now Rabbit was so busy eating, he wasn't thinking too straight. Wolf said, "Rabbit, you in my garden?" Rabbit said, "Nope." Uh oh. And Wolf started walking toward Rabbit. Well, Rabbit started backing up against one of those stone walls. Wolf kept on walking toward Rabbit. Rabbit was stretched tight against that stone wall. Now, right about then, clouds rolled over the sky, covered up that full moon. Wolf couldn't see Rabbit, but Wolf could <laughs> smell Rabbit, and he reached into that rhubarb. Gotcha! Got hold of Rabbit's leg, but Rabbit didn't panic, pout, or fret. He just started giggling. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> you say gotcha? <laughs> Man, that's not me. You holding on to? You holding on to a stock of rhubarb, brother? You don't know the difference between rhubarb and rabbit's leg. You so silly. Well, Wolf let go, and Rabbit started running. He ran in one direction until bam, he hit a stone wall. He turned around and started running in the other direction until bam, he hit another stone wall. Realized he was being kind of silly running in the dark, so he just stopped. And after a little while, the clouds rolled away from that full moon, and Rabbit could see Wolf. Wolf could see Rabbit, 
The rabbit could also see that the gate was still open, and he knew which words would close that gate. He started running for that gate with the wolf right behind him. He was running lippity-lip-lickety-split through that gate. The wolf was right behind him. When he got through the gate, rabbit called out, Crimp up the gate, and bam, that gate closed right on wolf's nose. (coughs) Well, ever since then, wolves have not planted gardens because they realize that most rabbits can get in your garden no matter what you do. And ever since then, wolves have not been vegetarians. Wolves eat meat, especially rabbits. Today's fairy tale sponsor is the Three Little Pigs Fakin' Bacon, the ultimate in un-American fake food. Save those pigs, save their bacon with Fakin' Bacon, the best organic, non-GMO, soybean product to be had in Fairyland. Not just your average bacon, Fakin' Bacon has many different flavours to choose from, with Danish Anderson Bacon, Canadian Bacon, Smoked Viking Bacon, and the best of British Bacon, flavoured with true blue blood. Save your favourite pig's bacon with Fakin' Bacon. If you order now will throw in a free packet of the Three Pigs' Big Bad Wolf Black Pudding. Do you know that all the patrons of the podcast cannot snore and dream at the same time? You can too for as little as $4 a month. A big thank you to all of the patrons who made this podcast possible. If you want to hear me make up facts about you, then maybe you should become a sponsor too. It would be pretty cool. I told the boy not to worry. My dog, Mo, might rush in on us, but she was as cute as a button and super friendly. I turned to catch Mo so she wouldn't lick the boy or frighten him. My dog stopped abruptly and her ears pricked up and her tail flagged upright. I turned back to the boy, but he was gone. Then I saw, about twenty yards away, a mother black bear and a single cub, watching us from on top of a large rock. Mo sniffed something on the ground and I saw a bone. It was not large but long and thin and had holes in it. It was a bone flute or whistle. I picked it up and dusted it off, put it to my lips and played the only song I know to play. When I looked back to where the bears had been, they were gone. This teller needs no introduction, but in case you need one, This story is by the remarkable Alton Chung and is another food story. Alton is another great human being and Japanese-Korean storyteller. He grew up with the stories, superstitions and the magic of the Hawaiian Islands. Punia and Kayaliali is one of those tales. It tells the story of Punia in search of lobsters for supper. But Kayaliali, the shark, has other plans. Enjoy.
In ancient Hawaii, the big island of Hawaii in the Bay of Kohala, there lived a boy named Punia and his mother. They lived in a little village right on the edge of Kohala Bay. Now, the bay was filled with fish and squid and lobster, but no one ever went fishing in the bay. This was because of a huge mano, a huge shark named Kaialiali and his ten minion sharks. The last person, the last person to go fishing in the bay was Punia's father, and Kaialiali and his minion sharks had eaten him up. And so the people of this village, they lived near the sea, but all they ate was sweet potatoes, what they could grow in their fields. And one night, after having eaten sweet potatoes for so long, Punia's mother looked at him and said, Oh, I wish we could have some lobster to go with our sweet potatoes. And Punia looked at his mother and said, Mother, you want lobsters? I'll get you lobsters. So the next day, Punia went down to the bay. He went. He knew the cave where the fat, juicy lobsters lived. And he stood at the rocks overlooking that cave and lined up in front of that cave was Kaialiali and his ten minion sharks. They looked to be asleep. And so Punia looked down at that water and said, My name is Punia, and I've come to get two fat, juicy lobsters for my dinner today. I'm going to slide into that water right over there by that sandbar. I'm going to slide right into that water, and Kaialiali and his minion sharks won't even know that I'm there. But unbeknownst to Punia, Kaialiali was awake. All right, you guys, wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't move, don't move, don't move. Now, when Punia dives in the water by that sandbar, we're going to swim over there, and we're going to eat him up. Oh, boy, oh, boy, we're going to eat Punia. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have cow-cow, cow-cow Punia time. You guys, shut up. Now. I wonder if Punia is as tasty as his father was. <laughs> Come on in, Punia. The water is fine. Now, Punia, he was Akamai. He was smart. He picked up a puhaku, a rock, and he threw it. So it landed with a great splash by that sandbar. And as soon as that water, that rock hit that water, and with a great splash, all the sharks swam toward that sandbar. But Punia, he dove the other way. He dove away from the sharks and swam down into the cave. Punia dived down into the water and he grabbed two big, fat, juicy lobsters from the sides of the cave and he swam back up and he climbed back up on that rocky ledge overlooking that cave and he held up those two fat, juicy lobsters saying, Mahalo nui loa! Thank you! Kayaliali, king of Koala Bay, thank you for these two fat, juicy lobsters for my dinner today. And uh, thank you, the shark with a thin tail, who told me what to do. Oh, when Kayaliali heard that, he said, All right, everyone, all right, come back, come back, line up now. All right. You. Uh, uh, me? Yeah, you, shark with a thin tail, come here. Uh, uh, okay. You. You told the boy what to do. Now you must go. And Kayaliali and his nine minion sharks chased the shark with a thin tail out of Kohala Bay. And Punia saw this and he said, huh, that's one. Well, a few nights later, Punia's mother looked at him and said, ah, oh, oh, those lobsters are so delicious. I wish we could have lobsters again with our sweet potatoes. Mom, you want lobsters? I'll get you lobsters. 
So the next day, Punia went down to that rocky ledge that overlooked that cave where the fat, juicy lobsters lived. And there, lined up in front of the cave, was Kayaliali and his nine minion sharks. And Punia said, my name is Punia, and I'm going to dive into the water right by that rock, that rock that juts out from the line. I'm going to dive right into the water, slip right into the water, and swim to that cave and get two fat, juicy lobsters for my dinner today, and Kayaliali and his minion sharks won't even know that I'm there. Well, once again, Kayaliali was not asleep. He was awake. All right, everyone, wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't move, don't move, don't move. Now, when Bonilla dives in the water there by that rock jutting out from the land, we're going to swim over there, and we're going to eat him up. Oh, boy, oh, boy, we're going to have Bonilla for cow cow, Bonilla for dinner, oh, boy. Yeah. Shut up. Huh. Now, come on in, Punia. The water is fine. Well, once again, Punia picked up a, a puhaku, a rock, and he threw it so it landed with a great splash right in front of the rock that jutted out from the land. Immediately, Kayaliali and his nine minion trucks swam out toward that rock that jutted out from the land, but Punia dove the other way. He slipped into the water, dove down to that cave where the fat, juicy lobsters were. He selected two of the biggest lobsters for his dinner. And he swam back up to the surface, and he was climbing back up on that ledge before Kayaliala and his mini sharks knew what even happened. And he shouted out, Mahalo nui loa! Thank you very much! Kayaliala, king of Kuala Bay! Thank you for these two fat, juicy lobsters for my dinner today! And thank you, Opu Nui, the shark with the fat belly who told me what to do! Oh, when Kayaliali heard that, he said, All right, everyone, everyone, line up, line up, line up. Ha. Ha. You. Who? Uh, me? Yeah, you. Come here. Uh, I don't wanna. I said come here. Uh, I can hear you just fine from up here. You. You told the boy what to do. Now you must go. And Kayaliali and his eight million sharks chased Opunui, the shark with the fat belly, out of Kohala Bay. And again, Punia watched all this and he said, huh, that's two. Well, this went on and on and on until there was only one shark left in Kohala Bay. And that was Kayaliali himself. And Punia realized he had to do something special. He had to do something special to get rid of Kayaliali. He went up into the mountains, and he selected two pieces of ironwood, about three feet long, ironwood, strong wood, tough wood. And he also went looking for two special pieces of wood, the aulima, the stick that you rub with, and the aunaki, the stick that you rub on to make fire. He put that into his bag. And he also picked up some, some charcoal. He put that in his bag, some sweet potatoes. And he also went to his mother and had her weave him a mat, a mat with a mesh so fine that water could not pass through it. Well, when that mat was done, he rolled that up and put that in his bag too. And he went down. He went down to that rocky ledge that overlooked the cave where the lobsters lived. And there in the water looking back up at him was Kayaliali. And Punia looked down at the great mono, that huge shark. And he was afraid, but he said, My name is Punia. And if I dive in that water and Kayaliali bites me, and my blood rises to the surface of the water, my mother will use her magic to bring me back to life. But if Kayaliali swallows me whole, 
I will surely die. Kayali heard this and said, Oh, Punia, I want you to die, Punia. I'm going to open up my jaws wide, wide, wide. And so when you jump in, I'm going to swallow you down whole. I want you to die, Punia. Come on in. The water is fine. Well, Punia looked down at this huge shark grinning at him with his mouth wide open. And he closed his eyes and he clutched his bag close to him and he dove into the water. Just jumped right in. And Kayali swam over there and boom, swallowed him down whole. Well, as soon as Punia was past the great mono, the great shark's massive jaws, he pulled, he reached into his bag, he pulled out those two sticks of ironwood, strong wood, tough wood, and he shoved a stick into each corner of Kayali's mouth. So Kayali could not close his jaws. Uh-oh. And Kayali Ali began swimming around Kohala Bay with his mouth open. Now Punia, he climbed down past Kayali Ali's throat, down into his opu, into his belly. And he reached around and pulled out that mat, that mat with the weave so fine that water could not pass through it. And he stuffed it into Kayali Ali's throat. So Kayali Ali couldn't swallow water to drown Punia, who was in his opu, in his belly. And then Kayali Ali, he got out the aulima, the stick that you rub with, and the aonaki, the stick that you rub on, and he rubbed them, and he rubbed them, and until he got a spark. And then he added the charcoal, and he made a little fire. And then he got out his sweet potatoes, and he roasted the sweet potatoes and had himself a little lunch. In the meanwhile, Kayali Ali is swimming around Kohala Bay. Ah, ah, what, what was that? Ah, ah someone's, someone's ah, cooking something, that smoke. <laughs> ah, ah. It's me! I'm on fire! Ah! 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 been swimming around Koala Bay madly with his belly on fire. Ah! And he began swimming out to sea. And Punia heard those large waves, those huge waves breaking on the outer reef. And he reached up and he pulled down that mat and he looked out. And he said to himself, Ah! The breakers! If we can meet you the breakers, I will surely be saved! But if Kayali turns around and swims back in the shore and goes way up into the grasses, way up in the grasses and the sand dunes, I will surely die. Well, Kayali heard this. He's maddened with pain. He says, oh, Punia, Punia, I want you to die, Punia. Ah, I'm going to swim up into those, those tall grasses, high, high, high up in the, on the sand dunes where no shark has ever gone before. I want you to die, Punia. And Kayali turned around and he swam back to shore. He swam with all of his great strength. And he swam to that shore and he leapt out of the water. High, high, high. And he landed way, way up in the tall grasses of the sand dune. Farther than any shark had ever gone before. And he landed with a great, ooh. Ah, ah, ah. Huh? Huh? Uh-oh. And now... Kayali Ali was beached way up in the sand dunes and Punia climbed out from his throat, out past his jaws and he went down to the village and he said, Oh, come, come, come to see us, has come to visit us today. It's Kayali Ali, king of Kohala Bay. Bring your spears, bring your knives. And so the people came and the people took care of Kayali Ali. And from that day on, the people could go fishing for the fish, the squid and the lobster in Kohala Bay. 
and people ate well, and Punia and his mother could have lobster any time they pleased. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love and find Lin Ford and Alton Chung on the internet and tell them that you heard them on the podcast. And now you want to hear them tell more stories. You can find Rachel Ann Harding and the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or at Rachel Ann Harding. Me, well, you can find me out there too at SimonBrooksStoryteller.com. There's no e in Brooks. The beautiful brain behind the fairy tale sponsor is Brendan Schneider. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was inspired by a note from Rachel Ann Harding to me, Simon Brooks. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors, and let us know the favourite story you have heard, or the favourite stories of your childhood. Maybe you will hear them here soon. I hope you didn't mind me standing in for the gracious Rachel Ann Harding. She was kissed by a frog and fell asleep. As soon as I get this out, I'll find a night to save her. If you would like to become a sponsor of the podcast for as little as four dollars a month, you can find the links on storystorypodcast.com. And hear me or Rachel read your name and thank your beautiful face for the world to hear. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries, no problems. Perhaps you would be willing to go and write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Rachel would love for you to do that. Anyway, head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies, like a photo of my beautiful black dog Mo. And if you tune in, you'll hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music.